the Heisman Trophy, Army, Navy, and the FCS quarterfinals highlight Week 15. This is the Ultimate College Football Podcast. Welcome to the Ultimate College Football Podcast, providing national coverage of America's greatest sport. Join us for bi-weekly episodes throughout the season, and remember to subscribe and rate or review the show wherever you get your podcast. If you would like to contact the show, please email us at ultimatecfbpod at gmail.com or via Twitter at cfb underscore ultimate. Welcome back to the Ultimate College Football Podcast. This week in the college football is a little different. The regular season is over, with the exception of the Army-Navy game, but still stuff we want to talk about. You are getting out pretty deep in the FCS uh, playoffs, the quarterfinals, eight teams remain, and we've got a lot of compelling matchups there. Of course, the Heisman Trophy for finalists uh, are invited to New York for this year, and as we already mentioned, Army-Navy, one of the great rivalries and traditions in college football. And uh, it's nice that it has kind of this exclusive window. Otherwise, it could maybe get a little overlooked. Uh, but it is uh, the prominent game this weekend. Not to mention you are into the semifinals in the NCAA Division II, Division III, and NAIA playoffs. This weekend, most of the major awards are being decided and uh, Thursday night that's where the uh, award show on ESPN is being televised that's where most of these uh, awards will be given out you're seeing all American teams get published this week so it's certainly uh, a week uh, for all Americans for uh, no trophies awards and of course what stands above them all is the Heisman Trophy this year we've got four finalists Marvin Harrison Jr. the wide receiver from Ohio State and three quarterbacks Jaden Daniels from LSU the favorite and likely winner Michael Penix of Washington the only playoff player on uh, of the finalists this year and Bo Pinnock. So as I said, uh, Jaden Daniels likely to win. I'm interested to see, I'm confident he's going to win. I'm interested to see though how close this vote is because very late in the year, Heisman Trophy was up for grabs and you really had Jaden Daniels versus the two Pac-12 quarterbacks and Bo Nick, he really made a strong push at the end of the season, was the slight favorite entering the Pac-12 championship game. But of course, the Ducks lost that game and Daniels is now going to be the benefactor of that as far as the Heisman is concerned. And Michael Penix, I imagine he's going to be the runner-up. I'm kind of surprised that uh, his Heisman campaign uh, hasn't been a little bit stronger considering he went undefeated this year. He is the only playoff uh, player for a playoff team, uh, which typically uh, in today's day and age, that is uh, almost a requirement. And he had a great Heisman moment early, or not early in the year, but the midway point of the year, that win against Oregon, where he was brilliant and he had that late touchdown throw to go ahead, uh, you know, had another nice day, not quite as good of a day, which probably did hurt him. He did throw an interception that was costly, but still was on the winning side of that major Pac-12 championship game. 
and as a result of uh, Nick's loss and uh, Penix kind of sliding a bit in the Heisman race when Washington was winning some of those close games late in the season, uh, he still was largely playing very good and was still able to manufacture uh, some big-time plays in key moments. I think I would give uh, Penix the Heisman if I, of course, uh, determined it, which obviously I do not. Uh, but uh, Penix uh, just didn't gain the same traction, and Jaden Daniels is really going to get the consolidated Southern vote, and that's going to be enough to make him the winner. Maybe it will be fairly decisive. I imagine the West Coast you are going to see a lot of support for Penix and Knicks. But next, for whatever reason, he had surged ahead of Penix, and so him losing, I think, uh, is going to result in Daniels winning the Heisman Trophy, and you could see some ballots splitting between Nix and Penix. So I do imagine it's going to be Daniels 1, Penix 2, Nix 3, and Harrison a distant 4. To be honest, I'm kind of surprised he got an invitation, uh, but uh, he did end up getting one, and certainly a fantastic player going to be one of the highest drafted wide receivers we've seen in some time but I personally although he is undoubtedly an amazing player you could argue maybe the best player in college football just when you're looking at his skill and talent uh, in his uh, position group uh, but he didn't really have the production I think that you really need to be a Heisman Trophy winner uh, so even though he was getting some Heisman buzz, I am a little surprised he became a finalist. I don't think his production really was where it needs to be to win Heisman Trophy for a wide receiver. And obviously wide receivers are, uh, you know, not likely to win Heisman's as it is. The other three players, of course, are quarterbacks, and Heisman has really turned into a quarterback award. Uh, if Daniels does end up winning, it is going to go against at least recent tradition uh, he was on a team that was good, but they only went 9-3, and three. Uh, obviously not a playoff contender, and uh, no, not a conference champion, didn't play in his conference championship game, so this is a bit of an outlier if Daniels does win but I do expect him to, and you can see why he had just a phenomenal season, and LSU, they were dependent upon Daniels to win these games. They had a terrible defense. They had to win shootouts week in and week out, and Daniels consistently delivered, and even in defeat, he still uh, was quite brilliant. If he doesn't get hurt against Alabama, LSU maybe wins that game, and I think his great performance in defeat coupled then with a really strong uh, conclusion to the year where LSU was kind of stat padding, which you can maybe say playing against some inferior opponents late in November when LSU was basically just trying to win Daniels to Heisman and they weren't being in contention uh, for, you know, anything tangible like a championship uh, that maybe that should go against Daniels but uh, that certainly was very effective and LSU uh, waged one of the more public Heisman campaigns that's probably ever been waged and it's going to be successful all three of these quarterbacks rank in the top three in passing yards with Penix one next two and Daniels three now Daniels he didn't get a 13th game so that hurts him there but Daniels statistically was the top quarterback in QBR and a bunch of different metrics. I'm not going to break them all down, but there's no doubt uh, Daniel's a very worthy uh, recipient of this award or of other quarterback awards. I personally would, as I said, have gone with Penix. Uh, 
who was brilliant in the biggest moments and in the biggest games. Uh, but uh, you got three really good quarterbacks here and three guys who had really long careers. You know, Jaden Daniels, he emerged on the scene back in 2019 as a freshman at Arizona State, had a good career at Arizona State, uh, but obviously the Herm Edwards regime really flamed out. He was a part of, I believe, Ed, I believe he was Edwards' first starting quarterback. Uh, so he goes to LSU, tries to kind of re invent himself playing for Arizona State and Edwards didn't really get the respect I think he had earned because he had been a really good quarterback for ASU if you remember kind of the highlight of his freshman year was that major upset over Oregon which knocked off the Ducks from playoff contention but he transfers to LSU uh, really puts his team on his back and this year in particular uh, had just a banner season uh, for Michael Penix. He started at Indiana, and despite having many entry issues, which kind of derailed him there, uh, he was really brilliant when healthy. And of course, remember the 2020 COVID season where Indiana's only regular season loss was to Ohio State. That's really the best season, at least in recent Indiana history. And Penix was a big part of that. And if you remember in that showdown against Ohio State, which was one of the, at least for the Big Ten, it was the biggest Big Ten game of the season and what was a very odd you know, conference season for that conference. Uh, but uh, I believe Indiana only lost that game in Columbus by seven points, and it was a great duel back and forth between Penix and Justin Fields. Uh, so he's a guy who certainly has been around the block, uh, didn't, being an Indiana quarterback, get the recognition he maybe deserved, uh, but able to uh, have a great career here at Washington, leads the nation in passing yards in his two years in Seattle. And then Bo Nix, another one of these guys who's been around for forever, started as a freshman at Auburn back in 2019, led the Tigers, ironically, to a win against Oregon in his first start, had that uh, last drive uh, touchdown pass to beat the Ducks. Uh, you know, beat Alabama that season. Overall, I think he was a pretty good quarterback for Auburn, uh, but, you know, under the microscope there and uh, did face a lot of heat. Gus Malzahn gets fired and they decide to hire Brian Harrison. That, of course, ended up being a disaster and he left for Oregon and got a fresh start and has had a great two-year run with the Ducks. So uh, three guys uh, that have had success everywhere they've been, but used the portal to uh, really kind of resurrect their career and get uh, you know, some national attention that they probably deserved more of earlier on, but just didn't get. But that's enough talking about the Heisman finalists. Let's move on to the Army-Navy game. Uh, this year's game features two five and six teams. Neither team is going to a bowl. Uh, so this is the conclusion of their season. Army having beaten Air Force early in the year, they are a win away from claiming the Commander-in-Chief trophy, which is one of the really highest honors you can get for an academy football team. Uh, these two have been very competitive. It's been a little bit streaky as a series as of late. And of course, you had not that long ago that 14-game streak in favor of Navy. But in the last four, these two are tied at two apiece. They've been in a lot of very close games. The last two games have been about as tight as they get. And that, of course, includes last season's overtime victory for Army. And it is, of course, Brian Newberry's first Army-Navy game as the Navy head coach. And if there's 
almost any game that uh, you need to win if you're a coach at Army or Navy, it is this game. It's kind of a, uh, you know, a season-defining game that means a lot. This year's game is being played in Massachusetts for the first time ever. It typically is in Philadelphia, although it will move around uh, a bit. It Basically, it's always in the Northeast. This year, though, Foxborough, uh, the home of the New England Patriots just out of Boston. And obviously, beyond just being service academy teams who uh, kind of recruit the same type of player, they stylistically are almost identical. They both run a form of an option offense, uh, which they've tried this year to evolve to account for some of the restrictions in cut blocks that both of these schools kind of rely on for their system. And uh, we'll see in the long term how they end up navigating those waters. When you look at the matchup itself, uh, you know, identical records, both teams have struggled a bit this year, obviously coming in with a losing record. Uh, some of the statistics favor Navy. When you look at some of the results on the field, they favor Army. So what I mean is that Army, even though being 5-6, and six, it's a much stronger 5-6. and six. They defeated three bowl teams. UTSA, who was a one away from their conference championship in the American, same conference Navy plays in. Air Force. Air Force did fall apart at the end of the year, but Army really started that as the Falcons were undefeated entering that game, and Army blew them out. And Air Force still had a pretty good year, all things considered. And then Army beat Coastal Carolina. Not a great Coastal Carolina team, but they were uh, right in the hunt for the Sunbelt East going into the final weekend of the season. And all three of those teams are bowl teams. Navy did not defeat one bowl team all season. Statistically, though, the metrics do favor Navy. And what I mean by this is that, you know, turnovers, obviously, a big part of any football game I think especially uh, in this type of game where both teams like to run the football it's a condensed game not as many possessions potentially especially with the new clock rules in college football uh, so uh, turning the ball over maybe is even a bigger issue in Navy they rank fourth in turnover margin they're plus 13 on the year and if they win the turnover margin in this game it's probably going to lead to a Navy victory. And some of these option offenses can be a bit prone to fumbling the football. So that's certainly something to watch for. Army, they struggle and run defense. They rank 116th in rushing D. And that obviously is a really big concern when you're going against a running football team, an option football team in Navy. That's among one of the best rushing offenses in the nation. Both of these teams are, which they always are because of the nature of their offense. But that is certainly a troubling stat. Both of those stats are uh, things that work in favor of Navy. In all actuality, I think this game's pretty much a coin flip game. Same record, and this game, maybe more than any other rivalry, is a game where you can truly say throw out the records. I imagine uh, it's going to go down to the very end, like we've seen the last two editions. And uh, I'm going to go with Navy just because of those statistics. I think the rushing defense for Army, coupled with uh, maybe a turnover or two, uh, might give Navy 
the win, but I think this one's very even, and uh, it should be a really great game. You can see that one on CBS 3 p.m. Uh, this Saturday. And then let's conclude with the FCS quarterfinals. We've got four playoff games, one on Friday, three on Saturday. Uh, the Friday game is 9 p.m. Eastern on ESPN2, seven seed Furman at second seed Montana State, and then a triple header on Saturday starting noon Eastern on ESPN, eighth seed Villanova at number one seed South Dakota State, 2.30 on ABC. You've got North Dakota State at third seed South Dakota. The Bison, they are not a seeded team, only unseeded team to make the quarterfinals. And then the last game, which is in a late game uh, at 10 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Plus, the fifth seed University of Albany at fourth seeded Idaho. The winners of Furman, Montana will play the winner of North Dakota State at South Dakota State. And then, of course, that means the winners of Villanova, South Dakota State, and University of Albany at Idaho will be the other semifinal game next weekend. Uh, let's just take these in chronological order. So starting with Friday's game, Furman at Montana. Montana, of course, they've been one of the hottest teams in FCS football. They dropped a game earlier in the year against Northern Arizona. Looking back, that's a really big upset, but they really improved as the season progressed and got some really notable wins, four wins against playoff teams to this point. Idaho, who is out of fourth seed, they won that on the road, which was kind of, I think, the turning point of the season. They won that tight game, and then they really exploded from there, defeated Sacramento State, ended the regular season by blowing out a Montana State team that finished a sixth in the seeding, and then last weekend, they dominated Delaware in the second round of the playoffs. Furman, on the other hand, uh, they were a team that was in position to maybe get the two seed, no worse than the four seed, certainly, entering the final uh, weekend of the regular season, but they were upset by Warford. That was their only loss in FCS play. They lost to South Carolina back in September, which cost Furman in the seeding, but they are still a team that had a great year, and uh, Two of these these teams collectively, uh, you know, hard to have a better regular seasons than what they had. Furman also has four wins over playoff teams. They beat Chattanooga uh, this past weekend in their first playoff game and also beat them in the regular season. I am going to go with Montana in this game. It's hard to overlook how they've been playing especially when you take into account the quality of some of their wins. The game's in Missoula, which I think is a big advantage. Uh, so uh, this game does certainly have some potential, but I do like Montana to win. Uh, next up, you've got Villanova at South Dakota State. Uh, South Dakota State, of course, they are the number one ranked team in the nation, undefeated, the favorite to repeat as national champion, and they have accumulated just a fantastic resume. Uh, they defeated seven playoff teams to this point. Mercer last weekend in a blowout uh, a round two game. Also defeated in the regular season Montana State, a team that was the sixth seed. North Dakota State, who is still in the playoffs. Uh, South Dakota, they're the three seed, still in the quarterfinals. They blew them out, uh, beat North Dakota, another playoff team, as well as Youngstown State and Southern Illinois. Uh, so a lot of these games blow out wins against playoff teams. This is a deep team, maybe the 
deepest team in all of FCS football. And obviously, it's in Brookings, South Dakota. Uh, if you're going to beat the Jackrabbits, you're going to have to do it on their home field. For Villanova, uh, they certainly have had a very strong season, so we'll see if they're up to the task. Their only losses are to a Big 12 team in UCF and then University of Albany, the number five seed. So those are pretty good losses, and they do have uh, some impressive wins throughout the season, beating some playoff teams like Delaware, North Carolina, A&T, and Youngstown State. Uh, so we'll see what Villanova can do, but I do expect South Dakota State to win this one and to win it probably pretty handily. The afternoon game, North Dakota State at South Dakota, uh, as we have three of the Dakota schools still in uh, the playoffs, a rematch of a regular season game, which was a, a Coyote upset 24-19 against North Dakota State, and this loss in particular, I think, really uh, raised the alarm in Fargo that this Bison team maybe wasn't uh, quite the same Bison team that we're used to seeing. They certainly have some defensive issues, especially uh, tackling-wise, uh, which we even saw in their victory uh, last week in the playoffs. And North Dakota State, they lost most of their big games throughout the year, uh, losing uh, their three losses are to the other Dakota schools, South Dakota, South Dakota State, and North Dakota. They have, though, started to turn a corner as of late. They beat Southern Illinois handily uh, in the uh, later part of the regular season. They blew out in their round one game, uh, Drake, and then they're coming off of a overtime road victory against Montana State, a team that was six seed and had at the time the longest active home winning streak in FCS football. So while this North Dakota State is weaker than what we're used to seeing, they are a team that does seem to always find a way in the playoffs to uh, pull out victories and they are getting hot at the right time. So they're certainly a threat here and and uh, we'll see if they can get the job on uh, the road, if they can get it done in Vermilion uh, for South Dakota, only losses to number one South Dakota State and then to a team playing in the Cotton Bowl in Missouri. They've got some pretty impressive victories where I mentioned the Bison win. They beat Youngstown State, Southern Illinois, North Dakota, and then Sacramento State in the playoffs last weekend. So if you're looking at what's kind of the highlight game of the playoffs, I think it, or this round of the playoffs, I think it's this one. You've got a Bison team that's starting to really get hot at the right moment, and they obviously have a great history and tradition of winning these type of games going on the road against a very familiar opponent in South Dakota, the three seed, a team who's had a fantastic season. I think this could be a really fun game uh, this uh, Saturday afternoon. And then the nightcap, late at night, depending where you are, University of Albany at Idaho, uh, the 5-4 game in the seeding. Uh, so a pretty even game you would expect. Idaho, they lost to Pac-12 team in Cal, and then Montana, the number two seed, a very tight game uh, at that. Uh, Albany, their losses are to Marshall, Hawaii, 
and New Hampshire. New Hampshire didn't have a very good season, so that's a bad loss, but the other two losses are to FBS opponents. Uh, as far as notable victories, Albany, they play in a weaker conference, so it's harder to get a gauge of where they really match up, but they have a signature win against a Villanova team that, of course, is still in the playoffs, and then they also defeated Richmond for Idaho. They defeated a Mountain West team in Nevada, as well as uh, some other Big Sky teams like Sacramento State, Montana State, another seeded team, and then last weekend in the playoffs, Southern Illinois, uh, which was an overtime win, so Idaho, they've been in some tight games. Uh, they are, of course, the home team, uh, hosting this one in the Kibbe Dome. Uh, could be another really good one. I expect this one to be very close as well, but I think at home you've got to go with Idaho. I believe I forgot to give my prediction for North Dakota State and South Dakota. I am going to go with North Dakota State. Not that I don't have respect for the Yotes, but North Dakota State just always seems to get the job done coming off of an impressive road victory. I think they do it again uh, against uh, South Dakota in what was a one-possession game the last time they played, although uh, the uh, Coyotes did certainly control that game. Uh, but still, I'm going to go with the Bison. But it uh, could be a really fun weekend of playoff football at the FCS level uh, to accompany, of course, Heisman Trophy and the Army-Navy game. So that will do it for our Week 15 preview. And for future episodes, we're going to give a uh, episode that is going to preview next weekend where a bowl uh, season begins. We also have the semifinals of the FCS playoffs as well as the championships for the NAIA and NCAA Divisions 2 and 3. And then we're going to combine in that episode just a preview of the first week of bowl season, which is uh, much lighter uh, after Christmas. That's where the bowls really heat up. Uh, you average more like a bowl a day in the first week of bowl season. So you've got a bunch of bowls next Saturday. And then after that, it tapers off before Christmas, although the 23rd, uh, that Saturday right before Christmas, also is quite a few bowls. So we're going to cover that period of time, December 16th through December 23, in our next episode. And then after that, we're going to have a episode previewing the remaining minor bowls. So the uh, bowl games from December 26th through New Year's Day. We're going to have an episode designated to the four non-playoff New Year's Six games. And then a episode uh, that is going to be dedicated just for the college football playoff. So do look for those. They, they will be coming uh, in the month of December. And then, of course, uh, we will have uh, recaps of the semifinal games, a preview of the national championship, and then a uh, recap of that as well as the season is rapidly coming to a conclusion. Uh, but that will do it for today. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time on the Ultimate College Football Podcast.